Welcome back, fellow podcasters. It's Freedom Friday, and time for another episode of Jeff Fry, an American conservative. I believe for this episode, since we'll be bumping up against the 4th of July, I thought it might be nice to deviate a little bit from the continual conservative pounding, and instead something that we can all agree on, be it liberals, conservatives, and that is the 4th of July. I mean, after all, that is the birthplace of the United States. And in actuality, it will be our 245th birthday. 245 years of democracies, freedoms, the rule of law, often cited as the shining city on the hill, and continues through the years to show the world that you can be a, a nation of extreme wealth and power, and yet not to have to use it for evil purposes, or even to expand territories. And perhaps that's one of the biggest reasons that our borders are continually under assault by illegal immigration, because out of the 8 billion people in the world out there, it seems like there's an awful lot of them that want to be part of our experiment, which is what it is, in democracies and freedoms. Because there's no better place in the world for them to be. And if there were, they'd be going there. But as I mentioned, I think we're going to designate this time period to talk a little bit about the actual 4th of July back in 1776 with some maybe little-known artifacts of history that you're all not quite familiar with. How about starting with the actual day the Declaration of Independence was signed? Oh, sure. We're all going to say, well, that's an easy one. How about the 4th of July, 1776, right? Not exactly. It was actually on July the 2nd of 1776 when the uh, Second Continental Congress was meeting up in Philadelphia and 12 of the 13 colonies at that time voted in favor for independence. And that was a motion that was put on the floor by a gentleman named Richard Henry Lee. But as is done in today's Congress, it was brought up and they were, it was debated. And for two days, there was debating going on and there were revisions going on. Until finally, a draft was ended up with that at least in principle, they felt that all 13 colonies could agree on because they felt it was important that this Declaration of Independence, as what it became known as, was issued on a unanimous basis. By the way, this original draft, which was also done by Thomas Jefferson as the secretary at the time, can be found on Google 
as the original draft of the Declaration. And if you take the time to go into it, you'll see that slavery was being abolished, as well as other items which seemed to allow the colonies, which would then become states, to act autonomously instead of as a cohesive unit. As I had brought up in an earlier podcast several episodes back, the slavery abolishment was favored by the northern colonies, but it was not deemed favorable to the southern colonies because it was a method of labor down in the south which had a, a large agricultural economy. Knowing that at least some of these states would not go along with that, it was taken out, again, for the good for the cause and to get the unanimous decree. And as history would show, it would take less than 100 years once we became a new nation to finally get rid of slavery in our country once and for all. So on July 4th, Congress actually officially adopted the Declaration of Independence. But the signing of the Declaration actually took about another month. I know we we see these famous patriotic paintings of everybody sitting around doing the actual signing. But remember, transportation as it was back then took a long time. And it actually wasn't until July the 9th that New York finally agreed to the revisions. They, they had agreed, by the way, in principle, but they actually hadn't agreed to them till they were written until July the 9th. It then took about two weeks to get the declaration that we now see down in Washington, D.C., rewritten without any of the scratch-outs and modifications, and it was then prepared for signature. Historically, there were only two signatures on July 4th that took place on that draft, which ultimately became rewritten. And that was Charles Thompson and John Hancock. All the rest signed it within the ensuing month after the document was put in clear form. Now, something else you may not be aware of is that, remember on July 9th, it got up to New York. And... And once the New Yorkers found out about it, that a copy of the Declaration had been reached, New York City had a riot. Keep in mind, we had a Continental Army at that time, and it was being run by George Washington. He was the commander. Of course, they didn't have radio and television, so these things had to be read aloud, a town crier, so to speak. And when that was read to the crier up in New York City, The crowds, who were already driven with the spirit of a potential revolution, broke out in cheers. And they had their form of cancel culture when they went over there and there was a nearby statue of King George III, which they took down and ultimately made bullets for the army out of them when they melted it up. And what about the ages of the signers of the Declaration of Independence? Of the 56 ultimate signers, the oldest was Benjamin Franklin, who was 70 years at the time. The youngest was named Edward Rutledge, who was a lawyer from South Carolina, who was only age 26. And out of those 56 signers, eight of them had originally been born 
in the United Kingdom, not all of which were from England, but from over there in the United Kingdom. At the time of the signing, the 13 colonies, now quickly becoming the United States of America, had about two and a half million residents. And how about this little bit of trivia? The Declaration of Independence was actually written on a laptop. That's right. Thomas Jefferson drafted that Declaration of Independence on a writing desk that could be fit over one's lap and at that time was called a laptop. Now as we get into the celebration of our 4th of July holiday, obviously we celebrate it with fireworks. And one could warrant that John Adams had written a letter to his wife. Abigail was her name. And in that letter, he said that he had wanted this Independence Day to be celebrated with pomp, parade, shows, and what he referred to as illuminations. However, in that letter, he also felt that the actual celebration should be held on July the 2nd when the agreement actually took place. And so the fireworks became a tradition. And they actually became a tradition at the first anniversary in 1777. 245 years later, Americans spend more than $1 billion for fireworks on the 4th of July, of which only about 10% is done by professionals which perhaps also probably accounts for the almost 13,000 firework-related emergency room visits every year. I might also point out that July the 4th was not actually recognized as a federal holiday until 1870, which was almost 100 years after our nation was founded. However, as another twist of fate on the 50th anniversary, July 4th, 1826, two patriots and signers of the Declaration died on the same day. And that was Thomas Jefferson, who was 82 at that time, and John Adams, who was 90. You may recall, Thomas Jefferson became president after John Adams. And exactly how many copies do we have of the original Declaration of Independence? Because after that adoption was made, a committee was formed, and it was referred to as the Committee of Five, which included Thomas Jefferson, John Adams, Ben Franklin, Roger Sherman, and Robert Livingston. And they were charged of reproducing the approved text that was in the actual Declaration. And this reproduction was done at a shop of a printer in Philadelphia owned by a man by the name of John Dunlap. And on the 5th of July, one day now, one day after the final text was, was approved, but not signed, hundreds of Dunlap's copies were dispatched across the 13 colonies. And when they went to newspapers, local officials, commanders of the Continental Troops, they, they were put out 
so that everybody knew what had happened. And these documents became known as Dunlap Broadsides. And out of those hundreds of copies, there's only aware of 26 of them that still survive. Most, of course, are held in museums or in libraries. And the belief is that there are three of them that are actually privately owned. Interestingly enough, two of these 26 were somewhat recently found. One was in 1989 when there's a, a man up in Philadelphia found one of these Dunlap broadsides hidden in the back of, of a picture frame that he bought for $4, which he sold later, by the way, in 2000 for $8.1 million. And the last one was found in 2009. It was actually in the British National Archives. It was in a box of papers that, that had been captured by the colonists, by the British, and was made public. Now, for some of those conspiracy theorists out there, because anyone that had watched that movie, National Treasure, they, they talked about how there was a secret message that was written on the back of the Declaration of Independence in invisible ink. Well, unfortunately for the conspirators, nothing of that magnitude was discovered. However, there is something written on the back of the document. And what is written says plainly, original Declaration of Independence dated 4th July, 1776. And the belief is that was written on there so that when this document was rolled up, it acted sort of like a label so that people could see what was actually on the document without having to unroll it to look at it. Two more little pieces of trivia before we end this podcast. One is that there actually was one of the 56 signers who later recanted his signature. And that was a gentleman by the name of Richard Stockton out of New Jersey. In November of 1776, Richard Stockton was captured by the British and thrown in jail. Jail back then could be extremely cruel, and after a period of time, Mr. Stockton decided to agree with his captors and recanted ever having declared the independence for the country. History will show that when he ultimately regained his freedom in 1777, he declared a new oath of allegiance to the new country, but at that time, he was a broken man from his time in captivity. And lastly, the Declaration of Independence was actually moved at one point from its resting place in Washington, D.C. It seems on December 23, 1941, which was just a couple of weeks after the attack on Pearl Harbor, the Declaration of Independence, along with the Constitution and other documents, were removed from the public display, and they were packed in specially designed containers, which had padlocks. It was sealed with lead and placed in larger boxes. All told, 150 pounds of protective gear surrounded these documents. And then on December 27th, along with Secret Service agents, it went by train to Louisville, Kentucky, and ultimately spent World War II in Fort Knox, and wasn't returned back to Washington, D.C. until 1944. 
I hope this little break from political bantering was enjoyable and also I hope you learned a couple of things. I know I certainly did doing some of the research on it. I do wish for every American out there that they have a wonderful and safe 4th of July holiday. Be proud to put your flag out. Be proud to sing the national anthem. God bless America. I'll see you next week. I am Jeff Fry, an American conservative. I'll be back next week with more to talk about. In the meantime, keep us, U.S., the United States, in mind. Thank you.